0: Oh, well, hey, uh, good morning. If you're new around here, my name's Stephen. I'm the pastor. Thanks for for joining us. And uh, Thanksgiving weekend uh, around here, it's kind of like a family weekend. And uh, and so if you're new around here, or your family in town, uh, visiting family, you get to now kind of visit family here at church. You're part of the family. We're glad you're here. Um, we're in a transition weekend between the series we just wrapped up which was called Clear Truth for a Confused World, and one of uh, my most favorite series we've ever done as a church. And uh, we're going to, yeah, we'll chat a little bit about that. God has been so good. And then we're heading into our Christmas series. Who's ready for Christmas? Okay, all right. Yeah, there we go. Heading into our Christmas series uh, next week called The Christmas Quest, and uh, and we picked those words carefully. I'll talk a little bit about that today. And in a way, okay, I'm just going to prep everybody in a way today's kind of like a family meeting. Okay. Um, But more than just like, you know, you awkwardly being a part of a family meeting. uh, I want to also talk through and answer this question. How does the Christian or how does the church respond when God answers prayer? How do we respond? How do you respond when God answers prayer? Another way of saying this, and I'll use these words, but I want to make sure we properly understand the context of them. How does the Christian respond to victory? How does the Christian respond when God is on the move? And we're going to use today to kind of answer that question for us as a church. And for many of you, uh, perhaps you're a- uh, asking that same question. God has been moving in your life. He's been doing things, new things, uh, or adding people into your life. Or there's been success in one area or the other. And you're like, okay, what do I do next? I also want to admit that there might be some of us who are on the other side of that. We feel like we're in kind of the low moments or the despair moments. And I believe there is hope for you in that as well. One of our favorite Psalms around here, Psalm 126. And in verse five, it says this, those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. In other words, if you keep sowing, if you keep faithful, if you keep with integrity pursuing him, there are down seasons. There are. And part of the story of this church is sowing in tears and now reaping with shouts of joy. Of joy, and, and, and it, is, um, it is of God to pause every once in a while, just like we do for holidays, to reflect and to, uh, to gather with family and to celebrate the goodness of God. And so church, this morning, we're going to celebrate a little bit the goodness of God and what he's been doing, and, uh, and I'll trust you the Holy Spirit will speak some personal things. Now, it's a fitting week to ask the question, how does the Christian respond to victory? And I think some of you out there need to be reminded of some of these principles this morning.) Okay. You know what? Something just made a lot of sense to me. See, no one clapped in the nine o'clock service, and I've always thought the 10:30 service, they're more pagan, right?) Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm a man of my word. Hail to the victors, failing, hail to the conquering heroes, hail, hail to Michigan, back in the trash. Okay, all right. There you go. Notice this came in a trash bag. (laughs) Ironic. Okay. Congratulations, Michigan. Oh, no one cares. All right. You want to talk about bad timing? We started our bet last year. Okay, I could have started this bet any other time in the last 10 years. Yeah, it's my fault. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I take full responsibility. Not the horrible coaching. Okay, moving on. All right. Where were we? Yes, how does the Christian respond to victory? Okay, fitting question for the morning. I want to look at three ways that the Christian responds to victory, uh, um, success, or to even to, to answered prayer. And I think this will help us as a church because um, God's been doing some great things in our church. And it's been so much fun to be a part of. And it's humbling to be a part of, and, uh, and we've taught this before, humility precipitates movement, right? Humility precipitates movement. And so our, our response as Christians, whenever God does anything good, is uh, don't think more highly of ourselves than we ought. And so the first thing that we see here when the Christian responds to answered prayer, success, or victory, whatever word you want to use, um, the first thing we do is we thank God. We thank God. Psalm 138, David um, writes this beautiful psalm, and I, I want to just read it out loud to you. It actually won't be on your screen, um, but I want to read it out loud. Psalm 138, if you have a Bible, you can follow along. says this, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart, Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. Even in the midst of the psalm, David is uh, being reminded of moments in his life that weren't quite so victorious. He's being reminded of these low moments. And in there, he's uh, saying, even in his victory right now, in the good things that are going on, he's saying, God, when I was at my lowest moment, you answered me. You were always there. And friend, if you are in that moment right now, God is there. And he does answer. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies. David knows that the battle isn't over. He's celebratory, yes, of the good things that God has done in his life, but we know from the context of when this was written that there were still greater battles to be faced. And even when we pause to celebrate the goodness of God, we know that the work isn't finished, that there will still be battles again in the future, but God will be with us in those just as he has been with us in the past. It says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Amen. What a beautiful psalm. You know what I love most about this psalm? David is taking zero credit. Don't we have this tendency sometimes? To, uh, to like want to give God credit for things but uh, and want to say thank you to God, but as we're doing it, we kind of like work in our own little glory. And here, David, he makes no mistake about it. He just gives God all the credit. Friends, the first thing that we have to do as a church, the first thing you need to do individually in those moments of victory or success is to thank God and take zero credit. Thank him in your private prayer life. Maybe go read through the psalm if you haven't had a chance to reflect in gratitude uh, even in this week because of all the busyness of the meals and the things that you were doing uh, this afternoon before the weekend is up. Maybe just read through Psalm 138 or Psalm 92 and pause and reflect. And in your private prayer life, thank God for all that he has done and how good that he is. The second way that we thank God uh, in these moments is in public acknowledgement. And public acknowledgement looks different for all sorts of different people, right? Like, I I get to stand in front of you on a weekly basis, and and so hear me when I say, uh, over the last five weeks, God has done incredible things in our church. It's been amazing. Um, from an attendance perspective, I mean, you can see it in the parking lot, right? Or in the seats uh, when, you, when you get here. And there's a new person that's sitting in your seat, and the fitcherel rises up in front of you, right? And you've done good. No one's gotten any fights. I've been very grateful, right? But, but uh, publicly acknowledging as best or as often as you can. And so for us, like, we give God all the credit for this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for moving, and not just moving uh, numerically, like new people showing up. I mean, yes, that's been awesome, uh, but what, what has been so encouraging for me is, is hearing how God is moving in people's lives, how he's been moving in your hearts, uh, uh, and, and how he's been moving in marriages, he's been moving in families, right, and just hearing stories of new devotion times and families, and couples working out things, and having conversations they weren't having before, and, uh, and just the way that God has been working in people's hearts over these last five weeks. It's been amazing. And God, to you, is all the credit and all the glory. As we say around here often, this is God's church. And uh, in order for it to be God's church, Jesus has to be the head, and the Holy Spirit has to, ha- has to be the power, right? And so whenever you can, friend, to publicly acknowledge God, and I don't know, maybe that's a Facebook post, maybe it's just in front of coworkers, or it's in front of employees, or it's in, plen- in front of whoever, family, whatever, but to give God the glory to his name, The third way that we see in the scriptures, we don't particularly see this in Psalm uh, 138, but we do see this all throughout the scriptures. The third way uh, that we we thank God in these seasons is by um, offering gifts of grace We see this when Noah gets out of the ark, right? And the first thing he does, he builds an altar of worship, right? We see this uh, after Abraham, after some of his battles, right, when he's victorious. And in fact, we see this really all throughout the Old Testament, that after uh, the Israelites would win these battles, what would they do? They would make an offering up to the Lord. We see this in the New Testament when salvation comes to somebody like Zacchaeus. And what does he do? He pours out acts of grace, right, uh, to people uh, in his life and in his community. And in the moments of victory, in the moments of success and answered prayer, it, it is good to, to pause and to just pour out grace. Now, in, in our uh, current context, right, we don't make like actual sacrifices anymore, but the scriptures tell us that we now, our bodies are the living sacrifice. And so even in moments of uh, success or victory, it's, it's good to just pause and say, God, I, I just offer myself again to you as a living sacrifice i thank you for what you have done in my life and in my family or in our church And, and lord now you tell me where do you want me to go next what do you want me to do next i am yours and i offer myself as a living sacrifice This acts of grace then, yes, it could be that, uh, but there's also then uh, just all throughout the scriptures of in those seasons, uh, um, like giving actual offerings or gifts of grace. And so whether that's to God's church or that's to other people in your life or it's uh, helping somebody out in need, right, the the very appropriate response to the goodness of God, victory in our life is to take what he has given us and then just pour it out in acts of generosity toward other people. And we'll talk a little bit about that uh, in during our Christmas series, but you don't have to wait till then. You can just, as the Holy Spirit would lead you, and right, and so maybe it's been the best year ever, right, from business perspective or whatever it might be. Well, what a great opportunity for you then by the discernment of the Holy Spirit to say, okay, how will the Holy Spirit in this moment of victory, would would you have me to pour out acts of grace, acts of love, and to look for that? And as a church right now, we're doing that. I mean, we're, at, we're saying, God, this has been so cool. Like, uh, you know, if I can use that word on what you're doing. And so, God, uh, we don't want to, uh, I don't think we're a selfish church, okay? But uh, but we don't want to just be inward focused. Lord, is there is there something you're calling us to do? Is there a way we can serve, Lord? Is there a way we can offer ourselves uh, as a sacrifice? Is there a gift that we can make even financially, Lord? Like, you let us know, Father, and we're open to whatever you would lead us to. we want to be open-handed with what you've given us, Lord, that we can just pour out gratitude to you for the good that you have done. So that's the first thing, church, that you do. That's the first thing that we do as Christians in moments of victory. We thank God. We start there. Here's the second thing we do, and we see this in Acts chapter, um, really the whole story is Acts 3, 4, 5, and 6. And um, if you're new around here, at the beginning of the year in January, I stood up in front of the church and said, hey, we're going to preach you the book of Acts. This year. Now, when I said it in January, I meant we were going to preach through the whole book of Acts this year. What happened realistically is we got to chapter four, okay? So we moved a little slower than we had anticipated. And I know some of you are like, are we ever going to get back to Acts? We are in our Christmas series. And then in January, um, our study of Acts is going to come to an end and we're going to move on uh, to, to some different stuff. And I know some of you are like, I thought we were going to finish the whole thing again. I want to finish before I died. So who knows? I don't know. Maybe we'll get back. Who knows, right? Okay, but we sense God's calling us somewhere else, and I'll talk through that a little bit. When we are gonna end our, uh, our year in Acts chapter four, and um, I have no idea where I was going with this. Wow, this has not happened in a long time. What, oh, yeah, we're good. Okay, so... We were teaching through Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4, and in there, what happens is the movement of Christ is just spreading like crazy, and the church is growing, and not growing by, like, you know, 10% or 20%, growing by, like, exponentially, right? Uh, Like, they went from 120 to 15,000 in just a couple of weeks. Okay? I mean, it's just amazing. And, and as that is happening, then we get to Acts chapter 6, and we see this really important chapter in the scriptures. And we have to understand why God puts things the way that he does in the scriptures. And so in Acts chapter 6, we see the second thing that we're supposed to do in moments of success or victory or answered prayer, and that is to pause and to reflect, and then to restructure or reorganize in order to reprioritize. Now, this might be relevant in your own life. Maybe God has added children, or he's added uh, new, like, activity in your life, or, or your business has grown, or, uh, or your family, or your people, your social structure, the level of things you've been asked to be involved in. It's grown, it's grown, it's grown, it's grown. And, and these are just God's blessings being poured out in your life. And it is godly and wise and prudent to stop in those moments and go, okay, God, do I need to restructure my life a little bit? Do I need to realign some things? Because isn't it true that in the moments when things are going really well and you're adding and building and adding and building and growing and growing, that if you're not careful, um, the craziness of it, instead of it leading to something good, can actually lead to something bad. That, That sometimes growth can actually lead you down to a place you never wanted to go. or or success can lead you down a place that you never wanted to go. uh, go. And so in Acts chapter 6, we see this really important, practical, but godly and very spiritual principle of restructuring or realigning in order to make sure that the priorities stay right. Let me just read the text to you uh, in Acts chapter 6. It says, now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, okay, and again, 120 to about 15,000. Okay, and if you're wondering how did he get that number, it said there were 5,000 uh, adults. They, typically, people think that means male, so there are 5,000 there. Give them a spouse, give them a couple kids, 15,000. Okay, these are guesses, okay, but, but appropriate conjectures. Now, in those days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the 12 summoned the full number of the the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, who we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So the disciples show a lot of wisdom and prudence here. And when the church is growing and success is happening, they stop for a second. They reprioritize, right? Uh, actually, they kind of restructure a little bit so that they can remain properly prioritized. And again, I would encourage all of us in our life as things add and grow, make sure we go back and say, okay, hold on, hold on. I want to make sure my priorities don't shift because size has come in okay, or new has come in. uh, For us around here as a church, our values are what drive us, regardless of how many people show up, right? It's our values. We go back to our values. This is who God has called us to be. And so even for us today, it's this little pause to just remind ourselves, okay, God, who do you want us to be? Who have you called us to be as a church? And we see right here in the text, um, the scripture lays it out, and it says, what is of primary importance, The disciples say, they, they, they stayed in there. Here's a, is a primary importance, okay? Preach the word. Preach the word. And for us... As a church, uh, we always have to remember that what is what is primary, right, is to proclaim the gospel and to preach the word of God, that we can never get away from that. That was the, the entire series, Clear Truth for a Confused World. I think what was so exciting about it for so many of us is that these teachings, um, they, they really weren't, like, they weren't inflammatory in nature, okay? They weren't, like, highly emotional in nature. Like, it was just pretty clear teaching. And what's been so... Um, uh, I think beautiful to watch is most of you, you're here and I say, why are you here? And you're like, I just want to hear the word of God. And that's awesome. Like, and it's not that music is bad and it's not that like exciting things or, or there's, not the, there's not even moments for emotional stories and all of that kind of stuff and those are good and motivation is good and I'm not trying to negate any of that but there's something that we can't do each and every week for all of eternity and it's inexhaustive and it's study the word of God. And it's so good. Every time we do. And so I have love that that our church seems just hungry for the word of God. And so we want to make sure that that remains at the top, right? Just preaching the word of God. But the second thing in there is this, to serve the body well. And uh, and the disciples are seeing here this responsibility uh, that that it's not just preaching and it's not just leading, that it is also shepherding. It is um, serving one another, right? And in this case, they were serving food to the widows and a little bit of church drama emerged, right? Which out of 15,000 people in church, like, you know, we can probably all anticipate a little bit of drama there, right? And, And so that's emerging. They go, hold on, hold on, let's fix this before it gets bad. Okay, let's fix it before it gets bad. Now, fortunately, okay, um, we don't have to respond quite the same way they did, right? We don't have 15,000 people showing up or whatever. But there are a couple of things that I want to point out today. uh, And these are really practical, but I think the principle applies. Just a couple of things that I want to point out for us as a body where we sit right now, how we best move forward together um, so that we don't have little drama things pop up. And Here's one of the things I love about a church, like it, just the unity that has existed in this body is beautiful. It's beautiful, and, and and some of it comes from our eclectic backgrounds where we've just decided, like, I just want to be a part of a body where we're just going to unify and focus in on the core things and just uh, and just elevate Jesus, right? And that's been that's been really cool to watch. But but here's a couple little practical things we want to take care of. I want to read a passage of scripture. Actually, let me tell you what the first one is, then I'll read the passage. The first one is parking. Okay, so we're going real practical. Okay, parking. Now, a couple things about parking. First off, no one yet has told me that anybody gave them the finger on their way out. So thank you very much. Let's give ourselves a round of applause. Okay, all right, no one's clapping. All right, so um, I know it's gotten a little crazy out there. Right? And I want you to know we're aware of it and we want to do the best that we can because I don't ever want anyone to think in their head, I don't think I'm going to go to church today because I don't know if I'm going to have a parking spot. Okay? Uh, And so we're going to fix uh, some of the issues that emerge. And here's a couple ways you can help us, by the way. First is this if you're like, um, you know, able bodied, I'll let, you know, we'll self select on this. Okay? Um, And you can park on the side and walk a little bit further, please do. Okay? Um, and if you're a volunteer uh, and you're going to be around a little bit longer or around a little bit earlier, please, if you're serving, park over on the side as well. These are just a couple little practical things that we can do because here's our hope and our intention in this. Um, we want to keep the front spots available to those who can't quite walk as long, right? And, um, or those who are new. And um, I'm going to give you a Bible verse just to shame you into this. Okay? All right. <laughs> and by shame, I mean motivate you by the Holy Spirit. I'm kidding. 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Okay? That means even in the line. Okay? In in parking. Since love covers a multitude of sins. Okay? Show hospitality to one another, wait for it, without grumbling. Okay? And um, and listen, it's been fun. I know you guys have enjoyed us. And if you're, like, new around here, this is your first week, and you're like, why is this an issue? We've parked an average of 60 cars in the grass the last five weeks. Okay. Which is super fun. Like, how cool is that? And, and, and so like we've had a parking issue and, and, and you guys show hospitality to one another. So one way we can show hospitality, super simple. Just park on the side. If you're able to park on the side. Okay. Some of you, you're like, Tom parked on the hill last week. Am I allowed to park on the hill? Um, if you park on the hill and you get stuck, that's up to you. Okay. This is tough love. All right. Okay. Um, is each one, uh, I'll, I'll read that verse in a second, okay? So there's a, here's two other things we're going to do, by the way. Um, we are working hard to get a gravel parking lot in before, I was going to say before the first snow, but that kind of popped up out of nowhere, okay? So before Christmas, we're hopeful to get that in. We are working hard on the, the gravel parking lot. Uh, we're very transparent around here, so I do want to let you guys know that um, uh, the way we operate around here, the way we work, the parking lot itself, we're getting 75 spots. It's going to be roughly $200,000, okay, um, to put in the the parking lot. And um, from what we're hearing, that's a fair price, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but, but here, just so you're aware, this is how we work. When, 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 when an expense like that comes up, a $200,000 expense, we're not like a, a huge church or anything like that, right? So when that kind of bill comes up, here's how we operate. Um, we encourage everyone if redemption's your home church, to have a consistent giving pattern. You say, why consistent? One, because it's biblical. Paul says set money aside each week, okay? Uh, and so whether it's weekly, monthly, quarterly, something consistent, it's biblical. Secondly, why? Um, because it's it's helpful. It's helpful for us to know what's coming in, okay? And so, honestly, super practical. You can get online, set up a recurring giving pattern, and you just set it up, and it gives, and then it helps us plan, right? And it helps you stay faithful in that way. And so, here's what we encourage. We encourage people, give consistent And then what we'll do is we'll steward wisely. And so we have a $200,000 bill coming up here in a second. We have the money in the bank. It's setting aside right there. When the bill comes in, we'll write the check for $200,000. We'll pay for the parking lot and we'll just keep going. Okay? And that's how we operate. We're not going to stop and do this thing. We're not going to tell you to, you know, have an auction to buy a parking spot or anything like that. Okay? Um, you just give faithfully. We'll steward wisely. And then we can keep going. And we just know this. As you, as, and when I say you, I mean myself as well. right? Lindsay and I, we, we faithfully tithe here, right? Uh, money we make inside and outside of the church because uh, we're all in this together, right? And, and, but we just trust this that uh, as, as you and I respond to the Holy Spirit in our giving, God will always take care of every need that we have. Okay? And, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. There might come a point in time when we need to add on to this building, okay? That might happen. Uh, if God, he, he can do whatever he wants. If that were to ever happen, okay, at that point in time, we would probably have a capital campaign. Outside of that, we're just gonna be faithful, 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 okay? All right? Um, uh, the other thing that we're gonna do to alleviate this a little bit is starting January 8th, we're gonna move this service, wait for it, to 1045, Okay? All right? So instead of 9 and 10.30, it'll be 9 and 10.45. All right? Now, I know what you're already thinking. Does that mean you're going to preach an extra 15 minutes? No. Okay? (laughs) Okay? The point is that we'll still be like a 70 to 75 minutes sermon. No, service, okay? Um, 70 to 75 minutes service. Um, we just want a little bit more time in the transition, okay? So that'll start January 8th. That's the first area, okay? We just want to make sure uh, we don't create unnecessary drama. Second uh, area is, is just the auditorium, okay? As you can see right now, um, it's, it's pretty full, and, and we're watching this closely because we want to make sure that new people always feel like they can find a place to sit. So I have two words for us this morning, sit closer, okay? Here's what I mean by that. Closer, okay? And closer, okay? So if anyone has been looking for an excuse to meet that cute person that is also single, here's your chance, okay? I'm giving you straight up permission, okay? You just nudge up right side of them. Say, hi, I'm sitting closer, okay? All right. It's a great pickup line. Use it on Lindsay. She hit me. Then we're still married, okay? So made that story up. It's not real. All right. Um, yeah, if you could, just sit a little bit closer. Um, and, and then here's the other thing in the auditorium, too. This is like, I know this is super practical, but, you know, let's, let's learn. Um, when, when we, if you have to get up to leave this service, um, if you could just head out through the middle doors, That'd be super helpful for me because when either of these side doors get open, I get super distracted and lose where I'm at, okay? Uh, And so we'll just like exit through the middle door. That will be super helpful as well, okay? So that's the auditorium. Um, God is good. And um, you know what? We'll we'll just see what God wants to do around here. Um, If the auditorium would ever get full, then we would probably, we have every chair we have, okay? It's already in here right? And we can't really fit more chairs in here. So, we'll just keep seeing what God wants to do. And if it keeps, you know, if people keep showing up or whatever, um, the next step would be to go to a third service, okay? Um, and, and that's going to start at 7 a.m. So, who wants to go? <laughs> yes. Right. Perfect. Josh Obermiller will be here, okay? And all... Yeah, actually, you know what? I think our 9 o'clock service could bump up. We'll figure that out later. Let's not get into it. Okay, um, that would be the next step. Let me tell you the next thing. Um, volunteerism, okay? Um, just, just serving. Okay, we have a phrase around here, real leadership serves people. And, um, and we always tell people, like, like, where do you start? Like, if you want to get engaged in, in redemption, just find a place to serve. Find a place to serve, right? And, and I, I don't want to negate your spiritual gift. I don't want to negate how God might want to use you in this way or that way. But I tell you, everybody here starts at, in the same place at the bottom. Everyone does. I don't care what your previous life has looked like. I don't care what you've done. And it's not that I don't want God to use your gift and talent, but I'm more concerned about your heart to serve than your ability to perform. Okay, and that's who, we, that's who we've always been. And so we said, "Man, just 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 start, find somewhere." And and some people people say this. They'll be like, "Hey, uh, hey Stephen, what do you need right now? What, you know, whatever you need." Okay, be careful. Okay, <laughs> be careful. Um, we got two areas right now uh, that would be great to just get some, some, new, um, some new energy into them. One is the nursery, okay, or the kids' ministry, our kids' ministry. And, and by the way, I know some of you are like, oh, I don't want to babysit. This is not babysitting, okay? This is not babysitting. This is you making a gospel impact into a child, okay? It's that. Or it is you watching someone's child, baby, right, holding that baby, praying for that baby, praying for that parent so that mom or dad can go into service and relax, Okay? And, um, man, I'd love to just see some new life in there. And you're like, man, I wonder who he's talking to. I'm talking to you. Okay? Talking to you. And, uh, and so let's just flood that, make sure we're always taken care of back there. You know, it's one thing to clap our hands when we say, yes, we're a church that loves kids. Right? But the follow-up to that is we're then always a church that is willing to serve our kids. Okay? Uh, and so those are some spots. Second spot is just it's a big building. We could use some help cleaning it. And so, man, if you're at home or you got an extra hour or two, we have some set times for cleaning, but there's always something in here to just come in and to participate in and to clean up, okay? And so kids ministry, cleaning team, those are two good areas. We'll send out an email tonight on how to respond or tomorrow, uh, and then you can always just stop by the table in the lobby and get more involved. But those are the two areas right now uh, that we can use help. Okay, here's the, the next thing. Remember, we're still in point two here. What do Christians do in the midst of victory? They restructure, right, so that they can keep their priorities, all right, so that they can keep their prayer. And you need to know, when, when we're taking care of kids' ministry and, uh, and we're making sure the building is clean, what does that do? It frees up staff. It frees up myself, our elders, to do what? To keep doing other things, right? We don't delegate around here to go do nothing. Okay, that's sinful. It's sinful to delegate so that you can go do nothing. It is biblical and practical and right to, to get other people stepping up into roles so that someone else can go do what God has called them to do. That make sense? Okay, and so that's just what we're talking about here. Um, okay, here's the, the next one. This is for the, the uh, I want to just chat about the building real quick. This building is a gift of God, gift from God, right? And, and we always just want to steward it well. Uh, and so Exodus chapter 36, let me see here. Exodus 36, this is a great verse. Um, let me find it. Exodus 36, one through two says this. Bezalel and, okay, that name's kind of hard. O-H. Oh, crazy. Okay. All right. Sorry. (laughs) Come on. That's really brilliant. Okay. Bezalel and that guy. And every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill. Look at these words. Every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work Any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. Now, this verse, one, it disqualifies me, okay? I have zero skill when it comes to construction. But some of you are out there, you have skill and intelligence. Um, We're running a Black Friday um, sale, 50% off. If you just have skill and no intelligence, we'll still take you, okay? (laughs) Skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary. Hey, we got two uh, projects, we want to steward this building well all the time. we got two projects we're going to work on over the winter. we got to finish backstage um, because it's the only area that we have left in the building that we aren't using to its full capacity, okay? Like, we've just slowly, I remember when we first moved into this building, we looked at each other and we're like, how are we going to use all of these rooms, right? And go, slowly, so God has just said, you can use this and this and this for that and this and this and that. And now, literally, the backstage area is the only room left. Um, and so we, we're going to finalize that. Uh, and then we want to rehab the bathrooms a little bit, kind of freshen them up and all of that kind of stuff, okay? Um, because those are really the only rooms that haven't gotten like a full makeover. Uh, and so we're going to hit those. So hey, if you've got skill and intelligence in those areas, you know if that's you. We'd love to put you to work this winter so that we can continue to steward this building well. Okay, so what does a Christian do in these moments? First, the Christian thanks God. Privately, publicly, and with acts of grace. Secondly, the Christian um, restructures or reorganizes, takes a step back so that they can remain properly prioritized. Oh, and the third element of that one, when you get to the end of Acts chapter 6, is that then the gospel continued to go out. And I think what we're seeing there is this that had the church not had the wisdom to stop in that moment, one drama would have emerged in the church. And secondly, it seems like the movement itself would have stalled out. And and so these practical um, spirit-inspired wisdom and acts of wisdom are very important. Now, here's the third thing, okay, that the Christian does in the moment uh, of victory, success, or answered prayer. Third thing is this. The Christian thanks God, restructures, and then keeps on going. The Christian keeps on going. The church keeps on going. Why? Because there are more people to be reached with the gospel. There's more work to be done here amongst us, more sanctification that needs to occur in the human heart. There's more people that need to be reached with the message of the gospel, and so it's good to stop and to celebrate and to say, thank you, God. It's good to restructure and reprioritize and all of those good things, but then it gets to the point where you kind of take a deep breath, and that's what this uh, this Sunday has been. That's what this week has been for most of us, right? We got some days off of work. We hung out with family. We watched football. We did these different things, and then some of you, uh, you're excited about your work, and like, tomorrow morning is Monday. like, You're ready to get back at it. And for us as a church, like, yes, today was a break and and kind of a whoo, right? But now it's time to keep going. It's time to, to keep going after what God has called us to, which is to help all people experience redemption and live in freedom. In Acts chapter 5, right, after all of this movement has happened, they've been thrown into prison, they've been wrongfully beaten, wrongfully imprisoned, all of those kind of things. We see at the end of Acts chapter 5, um, this is where the, the, the church ends up. It says, then they left the presence of the council. I'm in verse 41 of chapter 5. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to dishonor or to Suffer dishonor for the name. Wow. It says, and every day, every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. They would not stop. The work was too Important. There is this moment uh, when I was in my early 20s, and I was a youth pastor at the time, and, and for a lot of different reasons, some of them that weren't even, like, good reasons at all, I just, I, I wanted to be done. I wanted to quit. I wanted to stop. I wanted to go to back to school and start a, a, you know, a different career field and all of that kind of stuff. And I was reading through Exodus at that time, and I got to the end, and I was reading the message translation, uh, or paraphrase, uh, of the scriptures, and I'm reading through it, and three different times in the message translation, As you read the last chapter in the book of Exodus, right when I was like struggling through this, you see this phrase uh, from God to Moses that says, Finish the work, finish the work, finish the work. And as a 24 year old, it was like God looking at me saying, You're not done. Go finish the work, finish the work, finish the work. And Redemption Church, I'll say this like it has been an awesome five weeks, but we are not done. This is just the beginning. And now it is on us to finish the work and to be faithful to continue to run after whatever God would have for us. And it centers around the teaching and the preaching of his word, the proclamation of the gospel. It's important then that we serve one another well, right? That we uh, that we set up good systems like they did here in Acts so that we all uh, can love each other and serve each other and shepherd one another and all of those types of things. And so we got the the, the air game of the proclamation of the gospel. We got the game of loving and serving one another. Why? So that more people would come to know Christ and to join his church. That's why. And so what do we do next? We we finish the work. We keep on going. We keep forming community, like it says in Hebrews ten twenty five, to not neglect meeting one another with one another, but to stir one another up in love and good works. And so whether that's joining a Bible study or it's getting into a life group or it's just starting organic community because you're reaching out to people, you're meeting them on Sunday and you're having them over to your house or you're grabbing coffee. I know at the women's event a couple of weeks ago they gave out coffee like gift cards for women to go uh, meet and just have coffee together. And I've ran into like three or four of those, and it makes me so happy every time I do, because we're seeing that there's like, like the church come together in closer ways, and, and then there's that peer-on-peer discipleship, or, or, or cross-generational discipleship, and so just keep on going, and keep forming this. And those of us who have been the benefit of good godly community, part of the motivation for us always is as we have received the benefit of good godly community, that as we love our neighbor as ourselves, then we want to see others receive the benefit of good godly community. And so maybe God has been stirring something inside of you on how to connect with new people or to start a group or a Bible study or something. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Number two, then, is just to continue to preach the word. And so every Sunday, we're going to do what we did for the last five weeks, what we've been doing for six years, to open up the Word of God and to preach the clear truth of Scripture. Some of you have said to me, just keep on preaching. And the only appropriate response I know is this I don't have anything else to offer. I don't. Just the Word of God. And the opening it, and trying my best to communicate the, what the Holy Spirit has placed in my heart through these words, that the Word of God would do what it does, which is to change hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, friends, we're going to get back next Sunday. We're going to get back at it. We're going to open up. We're going to read through Acts chapter, or the end of Acts chapter 4. We're going to preach through it into Acts and uh, this series, the Christmas quest, right? And uh, we're going to talk about this, this quest that the world has been on, a quest for community, a quest for generosity, a, a quest for a different type of life than what the world has to offer and how it all came true because Christ came down to earth on Christmas. So, we're going to work through that over the next couple of weeks in Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 32. And what we're going to see, by the way, is this emergence of this counterculture. This culture that existed within the world, okay? Uh, It was in the world, but it wasn't of the world. It was in the world, uh, but it was still like its own thing. But it was in the world, but it wasn't completely disconnected to the world. And it was this beautiful picture of what the church is supposed to be. And so we're going to wrap up our year going into that. And then we're going to go into January, and we're going to kick off a new series in January called How to Create a Counterculture. And, the, and, and I would say this, it's kind of the answer to the question of like Stephen, everything we've talked about in the last five weeks and, and, and all of this energy that's going on, how do we do it? How do we actually go and change the culture that we live in? How do we go and, and, and stand up for the truth that we now know we all believe in? How do we live this out in such a way that other people look in and they go, I don't know what's going on there, but something is happening. There's a grace around those people. There's a grace around that place. Uh, the people I meet, they, they just seem different. Their marriages are different. The way they're raising their kids is different. The way they forgive is different. The way they're generous is different. How do we do it? How do we do it? And in January, we're going to start walking through that. And, and to me, this is the church on the move. This is the church on offense. This is the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. And so it's time to go out. And so we're, we're going to kick that off in January. And it's all going to be focused around what everything is always focused around, around here. And that is this. We believe the Bible. We're just crazy enough to believe it's as relevant today as the day that it was written. That the church is to be the pillar and the buttress of the truth. And so we're going to open it up, and we're going to preach it, and we're going to invite anyone to come and hear it, and we're going to believe that when they do, the Holy Spirit will blow into their heart and change them, like he has done for so many of us. And I don't know about you, but when we were taking communion, my heart went back to that moment of grace. That moment when grace first blew into my life. I know many of you, you can remember that moment too. And it is good to go back to that moment because in those moments, right, we remember what it was like to know the love of God, to know the peace, the hope, the joy. Oh, and don't we want that for everyone else? And so this is why we do what we do. This is why we labor. If I can use the word, this is why we partner and one of the things we're going to introduce next year is what we're calling the partnership track, right? And uh, it, it's just this teaching that, that, uh, that I wrote um, in seven weeks, and we're going to walk through it. And what it is is, like, this is, these are the doctrinal foundation and the practical application of how we partner together together. For the gospel, and starting February first, we're gonna um, we're gonna meet every Wednesday night for seven weeks. Okay, you don't need to write this down. We'll obviously talk about it way before then. But for every uh, every night, every Wednesday night for seven weeks, um, we're gonna be right here in the auditorium. Whole church invited, and uh, on on Wednesday nights, and what we're gonna do at six o'clock, we're gonna have a family meal. Okay, so we're gonna serve dinner, free dinner to anyone who wants it in the church. You can pick up your kids, come on over. Six o'clock, we'll serve a meal, right? And then at seven o'clock, we'll start a service. We'll take uh, we'll sing one song, acoustic worship. We're going to take communion together, and then I'm just going to teach through this partnership track. And uh, over the winter, when it's you know snowing, it's cold out, you can't really go outside. We're going to be in here, and God's going to be forming us together and activating His church. We're coming out strong. Why? Because the work isn't finished. This all, by the way, comes out of Philippians chapter one. And uh, Philippians chapter one, I'll kind of end this almost as a benediction today. Um, and you know, if you can't tell, I'm pretty pumped. I'm excited about what God is doing around here, what God is doing in in hearts, in marriages, in lives, what he's doing through us collectively, and I think where he's taken us, and we are just getting started. So let me end here today. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy, because why? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And friends, that's how on behalf, of my my behalf, Lindsay's, our elders, their wives, our staff, that's our prayer. Thank you. Thank you. And this Thanksgiving weekend, let me say to you, thank you. Thank you for your partnership in the gospel. Thank you for believing that everyone's invited to experience redemption. Thank you for believing in the Bible and wanting to be in a place where we're just speaking the clear truths of Scripture. Thank you for believing in church that is simple but meaningful, uh, that we don't need all of this stuff, and we just want to know what is in this book so that we can serve the King who rescued us. Thank you, guys. So to that end, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for all that you have done. And we pray that you would continue to form every man into a godly man, every woman into a godly woman, every marriage to the way that you designed it, every family, partners for the gospel. And our church is a reflection of the world you created. As we forgive each other, love each other, serve each other, and get activated to bring your gospel to the world and to show the gospel to each other. Hold us, form us, and keep us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to take a next step with Redemption Church, visit us online at experienceredemption.com connect connectcard. You can also give online to support the work of Redemption Church. To explore your giving options, visit experienceredemption.com slash give online. We hope that the message you heard today encouraged you. See you again soon.